If you're watching this right now, the chances are you have at some time in your life voted for a Republican, possibly even given one money because what were your options? You didn't feel you had any. But after you did that, you likely stood back and watched the Republicans in Washington and thought to yourself, these people have very different priorities from me. I didn't vote for them in order for them to do, to do the things they're doing now. They seem to care about things that have nothing to do with my life at all. In fact, it may have occurred to you, they may secretly hate me and you may be onto something. But have you ever asked yourself what it would be like to work among them, to be an elected Republican in Washington who actually believes something and actually wanted to represent your constituents? What would that be like? Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene found out a couple of terms ago. She's from the state of Georgia. She was elected to Congress. She's had an amazing two terms there, and she's written a new book about it called MTG. She joins us now. Congresswoman, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I never met you. I didn't know anything about you. I don't follow this stuff very carefully. And the first time I heard of you was in a, an explosion of Vesuvius of news stories calling you a crazed Nazi anti-Semite and attaching you to the phrase Jewish space lasers. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, that's kind of a crazy thing to say. So I look it up and it turns out you never said that. And it had nothing kind of to do with what you said. And then I watched the Republicans in Congress. It was a smear job, very obvious. A two-minute Google search proved that. And then the Republican leadership in Congress immediately attacked you on the basis of the smears without even looking into them. And I thought, well, I'm not really surprised because that's who they are. But what was that like from your perspective? I've always wondered. Shocking. As a matter of fact, in January of 2021, all of Washington and the media, the national media, created a character of me that didn't exist. And then they sold that character across the news platforms, all across the country and across the world 24-7. And Washington bought into it, too. And so every single day I showed up to work, all of a sudden I was like this toxic poison member of Congress in Washington. And it was attacks day in and day out. It was something I'd never experienced before. So, but it's a little weird. I mean, look, I mean, I, I think partisan loyalty can go too far. I think if you like drive off a bridge drunk and kill a woman, as Teddy Kennedy did, your party shouldn't defend murdering a woman. Amen. That's my view. However, if you're being unfairly smeared, smeared, I think it's fair to, to hope that your party will defend you against an unfair smear. So what's the point of having a leadership if they don't defend their own members against lies? Well, because I wasn't, uh, I guess, in line, so to speak. I was completely from the outside. No one ha had propped me up. No one had told me to run. As a matter of fact, I never even went to a GOP meeting anywhere until I announced that I was running oh. for Congress. So you didn't go through the, the normal process. I didn't go through didn't the normal that. rank and file. And then I beat a uh, candidate, a Republican candidate, that was highly supported by the establishment in Washington, Steve Scalise, over 30-something members of Congress had raised money for him, endorsed him, and then I beat him by double digits. In the primary? In the primary. Oh, I didn't know this. So that was that was your actual sin. Yeah. They were mad at you before the Jewish space lasers thing. Oh, it, that was yeah, exactly. Protest. That's right. I wasn't one of them. So where, I mean, looking back on it, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you must on some level still feel rage. It makes me mad just thinking about it. But um, trying to coolly assess it, where do you think you differed from Republican leadership or the Republican establishment on policy? Like, what didn't they like about your views, do you think? Well, I came in and my views were concreted not only from how I grew up in a small business, uh, not a wealthy family, um, in, a, in a family where my my dad was literally living the true American dream. Um, my mom's, 
my father, Robert Taylor, owned a construction company, the company that I bought after college. Uh, started out so poor. They had $500 for their name when I was born. And they just worked hard, and I learned all their lessons growing up in the company. Went to college. After college, I bought my parents' company. I had to buy it. It wasn't given to me. It wasn't like a, I wasn't a trust fund baby or anything. And so I actually had to earn it. And I truly believe the things that I say, and I think that made me the greatest threat to Republicans and Democrats in Washington, is I was, I'm, I am sincere. It was interesting, though, because I, I kept reading you described as this crazed radical, which isn't all bad. Sometimes we need crazed <laughs> radicals. Now may be the time. Uh, but at the time, you know, whatever it was, four years ago, I looked at your positions, and they didn't strike me as crazed or radical. They seemed pretty mainstream to me. Like, we're uh, kind of just normal That's concerns. Right. Am I missing something? Yeah, you're missing that Washington doesn't care about normal Americans and normal American ideas and normal American values. And I carried what was extremely normal in real America, and I brought that with me very loudly and passionately in Washington, D.C., and they tried to kill me for it. So foreign policy is one of those things that I don't think most people who aren't involved in this or live in Washington think about quite as much, but that kind of is the red line, it feels like, for a lot of these people in D.C. Well, if you don't fund the foreign wars, if you don't wear the country that is fighting, that you're supposed to be supporting, if you don't wear their flag or wear their little uh, colors in your front pocket of your jacket, if you don't have a sign outside your office door that says, I stand with Ukraine, or whatever the flavor of the month is, then you're going against Washington. You're going against the Pentagon. You're going against the military-industrial complex, and you will pay the price. But shouldn't the Congress, the Congress has oversight over all of those institutions, the Pentagon, of course, the intel agencies, the entire executive branch. Congress funds them and has oversight over them. They shouldn't be mindlessly carrying their water or acting on their priorities, right? They shouldn't be. But here's what's interesting about how fundraising works in Washington. If you're a member of Congress and you you have to get reelected every two years, you need money to campaign. You need money for your ads. You need money for the literature you mail people. You need money to encourage your voters to get out and vote. Well, how, how you know, it's hard to raise that money. So in Washington, the military industrial complex and other big industries have all of their lobbyists. Well, they can host you a fundraiser literally in one night and raise you hundreds of thousands of dollars as a member of Congress, and you won't have to spend hours on the phone calling donor after donor, begging for, can you give me $1,000? Can you give me $2,000? Please, I really need your help. i got to get reelected. I've got five primary opponents. These members of Congress don't have to continue doing that hard work and begging and begging and begging for money from, from other donors or from their districts when they can walk in a room have a cocktail reception with little weenies on a stick and a bunch of alcoholic drinks, and they're getting written big checks over and over by all of these lobbyists and all of these big companies, major companies that really thrive on American taxpayer contracts yeah. that our federal government hands out. The companies that make Washington the richest metro area in the country. That's right. Did you think it was weird coming from you know, non-political background to see members of Congress in the U.S. Capitol wearing foreign flags on their lapels. I was shocked when the Ukraine and Russia war started, or if you want to call it a war. I don't call it a war. I call it, it's, it's a funded war. As a matter of fact, Washington, our country, is propping up Ukraine. 
we give them $1 billion every single month. That doesn't have anything to do with war. That pays for their government. That pays their salaries. That pays their retirements. That pays to fund their entire government. So we have Ukraine. I call it the 51st state because Washington loves Ukraine so much. They just love Zelensky and love Ukraine. But when that started and then all of a sudden, and I wasn't for it, I was like, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. We have so many problems at home. And people in my district are suffering. People have lost their businesses. They can't pay their rent. Senior citizens can't. They're choosing between food and medicine. Our border is overrun. And people are dying every single day. But all of a sudden, every Republican that I knew, barely knew, by the way, they're all of a sudden carrying Ukraine flags in their little, you know, front pockets. They had to have those. They had to have the pins. I see them with Ukraine. And it's everywhere. It was as if I was in a foreign country. It, it didn't make any sense to me. But I mean, it, the irony was just so stark. Like our our borders open, we are being invaded, but we're paying tens of billions of dollars to secure Ukraine's borders. Mm -hmm. And if there's any group that should be alive to that, it's Republicans, and they should right. be defending America's borders. But I don't think like any of them. Were but actually, in let's talk about Congress as a whole. The United States of America's Congress should be solely focused on our problems. And why does it, I would argue that both parties should not be just completely sold out to Ukraine. Ukraine's not even a member of NATO. Yeah. Not even a member of NATO. Here was, here was the no shocking. treaty obligations to Ukraine. Yeah. And you know, the shocking conversations I had was the first vote to fund them. I was sitting there, Marjorie, are you, are you voting yes for this, right? I'm like, no, I'm not voting yes for this. Why are you voting yes for this? And so all of these conversations I started having with the other conservatives, America First Republicans, blew my mind. You have to vote for this. You'll lose your reelection. Marjorie, how can you can't because vote? Because the people of your district care so much about Zelensky? Is that why? Oh, yeah. I mean, they say it all the time. Every time I see him at the grocery store, like, oh, please help Zelensky. He wears, <laughs> he wears cute green T-shirts all the time. A man can't wear a suit and tie anymore. But other supposedly conservative Republicans said this to your face. America first, the ones the ones running for re-election, pro-Trump, pro-America, pro-secure borders, MAGA, 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 all this stuff. You have to vote. For, you don't want to vote. You don't want to help Putin, do you? Are you for Putin? Are you for Russia? Yeah. It's just so nauseating. It's disgusting. How... I, how do you keep working there? I think I keep working there because I'm so pissed off. And I really don't care if I'm friends with these people or not. I, I go to D.C. every week when we're in session. I know they don't like me and I could care less because I'm, I just feel like I have to push and shove every issue that is for our country and for our people front and center in any way I possibly can and embarrass the hell out of them if they do not support our country and our people. I, I should say, by the way, it's not just, I'm focused on Republicans because I think a lot of people watching this have voted for them yeah. with a false expectation that someone cared about them or protect them. Yeah, no. that they mean it. Maybe. But the Democrats, <clears throat> pardon my stupid glasses, but the Democrats, not fans. And I'm just, this is from the back of your book. This woman should be on a watch list, not in Congress, says Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she must be expelled, says Ocasio-Cortez. MTG is a cause for trauma and fear among members of Congress, says Pelosi. This woman gets to come and talk about taking over the country, and she's not behind bars. How does that work, says Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, they're like trying, they, aren't they'd they? kill you if they could. Absolutely. They would kill me. They'd kill you, too. They'd kill many of us. What do you think that's about? 
They hate us. Why? It's Think about Hillary Clinton. What did she call us all? Deplorables. They come from a some sort of elite class, at least in their own minds, where they look down on all of us as if we're some subclass of people in the country. We're so annoying to them. We aren't educated enough for them. We aren't good enough for them. We won't support their never-ending causes for wars or whatever the next thing is or you know, supporting gender change for children as if that's ever the right thing to do. Or why can't every woman just have an abortion? It should be a rite of passage. That's who these people are. And they hate any of us that stand up and say, you people are flat out evil. Because they are. They're evil. Yep, I've noticed. Um, tell us what you think of the new Republican Speaker of the House. It's early in his speakership. Um, let's be very honest. This is nothing he ever planned for. Yep. Was not prepared for, had no base staff ready for this. Yes, it's literally something he luckily got thrown into. Yep, thrown in a hot frying pan. Being the Speaker of the House is one of the hardest jobs in the country. It really is. People think it's like some sort of position that they stand up there with a gavel and bang it up and down. No, that's not what it is. This is a CEO position of one of the most powerful companies, so to speak, in the world, or the most powerful one. They control the checkbook of the American people. They control the votes that happen on the House floor that drive the agenda of the federal government. They control whether we go to war or not, whether or not our sons and daughters in the military live or die. Being Speaker of the House is a serious job, and it takes extremely serious-minded people. And I was extremely disappointed when the first thing our new Speaker might Johnson does as a conservative is he brings a continuing resolution to the floor completely clean that that just completely funds Joe Biden and his administration's budget that Nancy Pelosi created and passed during my first term, which I hated, absolutely hated, I hated Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. I hated the bills that she put. I hate the budget. I think it's disgusting. It's filled with utter horrible things. And he passed that clean. Like that. Why? I think, and of course, I any anybody can judge from the outside, but as soon as anyone gets thrown into Speaker of the House, everyone descends on them because yes. they need something from that person. They need them to buy in. They need them to believe the lies that you're told in the classified, classified briefings, especially in the Situation Room, especially like by people like Jake Sullivan. I think he felt impressed to get those phone calls, got him felt him, felt important to be in those rooms, in those conversations. Yeah. And I think um, I'm not sure what we're going to see, but the first things he was talking about was funding Ukraine and funding Israel. Those and, are the first things. And and a continuing resolution. So three things. First thing he talked about first week of speaker, continuing resolution of Joe Biden's budget clean, not getting anything for it. Funding, continuing the Ukraine war, even though it's the most unpopular thing in the country and everybody's fed up with it and angry that another penny would be even talked about going over there. And then talking about funding a war in Israel and Gaza and Israel's handling the whole problem themselves. So why do we even need to be involved? So this is this is. So if you take three thing. steps back, I mean, the big things that government does, immigration border, right, because mm -hmm. it controls what your population is. Spending and your debt, budget, your budget, mm -hmm. and war. 
And he basically bought in day one to the priorities of the Democratic administration, it sounds like. 100%. So, like, how could that happen? That's what I said. But you know what? You're not there to criticize. Criticizing is not a popular thing to do, and apparently I'm the only one doing it right now. It doesn't sound personal. It doesn't sound like you hate the guy personally. No, he's a nice guy. He's a Christian man. He's a good man. He's a husband. He's a father. All of those are wonderful things. But if your first act is to continue to fund the Ukraine war, then you're not for the United States. Well, at this time, he hasn't done it yet, but that is what he's talking about. I keep hearing that he's very, and from people who've talked to him, that he's very enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. So that suggests that he's like on another planet and not capable of governing. Well, he is saying that if he pairs it with our border, Ukraine funding for getting wins for our border, that that's somehow going to be palatable to the American people. And I'm going to argue right now, I'll fight it as hard as I can because I, I will be repulsed. I will be insulted that funding a war in Ukraine that continues just killing people just, just because America, because Washington wants to do that and it lines the pocket of people, just keep making them rich in the military industrial complex and, and continue getting rid of our reserves. If that is somehow on the same level as our border security, that would be the biggest insult that you could ever throw in the American people's face. It sure, it sure sounds that way. So you sort of wonder, like, how long can this continue? You have one party that's destroying the country at high speed and another party that's helping them do it. Mm-hmm. And then the majority of the population, to one degree or another, is not on board with this. Right. So that sounds like pre-revolutionary to me. Like that can't continue forever, can it? It should. The American people should not tolerate it. No, they seriously should not tolerate it at all. Because here's Washington, D.C. So here's our government. We're over $33 trillion in debt. Our government must hate us, must truly hate the American people to do that to Americans. Our border is wide open. That's not just Joe Biden, everybody. That is the Democrat Party. Yes. Every single one of them are solidly on board with that. We have crime erupting all over the country. Innocent people are dying every day because the crime is so, so bad. And the economy is being driven off a cliff with the Green New Deal the biggest thing looming in policy. And it's already in place. It's just at the start. No one has suffered the consequences yet. Here's why I hate Republicans right now. They don't do a damn thing to stop it, Tucker. They campaign on it every single cycle. They talk about it. They go on the news and say all these wonderful sounding things to their voters and their donors. They do their committee hearing five-minute clips and post it all over social media. And then they send red meat fundraising emails And no one does a damn thing to stop the agenda that is literally killing Americans, killing Americans every day. I introduced articles of impeachment on Christopher Wray, Merrick Garland, Matthew Graves, the son of a bitch that attacks these January 6th defendants day in and day out, who is horrible, doesn't doesn't prosecute crime in D.C. as a U.S. attorney. He has a jurisdiction to do both. Doesn't do crime in D.C., only does J6ers. Um, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, I forced that to the floor recently. Eight Republicans voted with the Democrats to protect them. Three of them were chairman of, of powerful committees. And Joe Biden, multiple times. But Republicans don't have the courage or the guts or maybe the maybe they don't want to to impeach any of these people. They, they clearly don't. So, so you're on a roll, and I don't want to slow you down. But I do want to bring out of you, uh, like, who's doing this? Like, can you just name a couple 
because the way groups work usually is, you know, the strong influence the weak. It only mm -hmm. takes a couple of people with a strong point of view to convince everyone else to follow them. Yeah. So there are clearly some Republicans, Mike Rogers is obviously one of them, um, but powerful Republicans in the House were convincing everyone else that these anti-American positions are the right ones. Mm -hmm. Who else would so they So Mike Turner, chairman yep. of Ohio. Yes, chairman of uh, Foreign Affairs. No, he's Intel. I'm sorry, chairman of Intel. He, he's the one who's trying to hide the UFO disclosures. Is he? Okay. I think so, yeah. Probably, yeah, among many other things. He also wants to renew the FISA program. Um, Patrick McHenry, another chairman. I'm not sure which committee he is. Virginia Fox, uh, chairman of Ed and Workforce. Four Republicans on the Judiciary Committee, which is where impeachment takes place. Yes. Four of them. Uh, Ken Buck, of course, the, we, don't, we don't expect anything different from him. Um, Daryl Issa, former chairman of the Oversight Committee from California, said that I lack maturity for trying to impeach Mayorkas. Imagine that. Um, yeah, multiple Daryl Issa from San Diego. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, California's been totally destroyed by immigration. I don't think there's any, I mean, by every measure. Who can argue Every that? measure. Right? right. I watched it happen. How could Daryl Issa support this? He says that articles of impeachment should go through a process through committee. But my articles of impeachment on Mayorkas were sitting in the Judiciary no, no, Committee. No, he's defending the invasion of the country. Why would he do that? Of course, because he claims that articles of impeachment should go through a committee process. But my articles of impeachment had been sitting there for six months on a shelf collecting dust. And they weren't interested in doing the process that they are the ones that, that can do it in judiciary. Yeah. No one wanted to lift a finger. They don't want to impeach anyone. Do you have any allies? Not many. Not many. Uh, there's some. It depends on the issue. Sometimes there's Republicans that I do ally with. A lot of us have conservatives. We have similar voting records, but I feel like I don't have enough that are willing to go all the way, truly go all the way, and do what the American people want. If you talk to regular people, they want to impeach everyone because in, in the real world, people get fired. They're like, impeach them all. They all suck. Yes. Right? What do you think the, I don't know, I mean, if some, I, I, we didn't do one word on it, but the, the speaker, the speaker's drama, you got completely caught up in that mm -hmm. without getting into all the details, which is probably not that interesting at this point. But like, what did you learn from that? So a lot of people were confused why I would support Kevin McCarthy. And I can understand why they were confused about that, because I spent well over a year when I first came into Congress attacking him. Right. I even called him feckless on Twitter. Yeah. Like, I attacked him constantly. But then when time went on and I found out no one else is running to be speaker, no one else wants this job, Kevin McCarthy really wants it. He's raising record amount of dollars for Republicans. I put my professional business experience to work and went, this is the person I have to work with. He's going to be Speaker of the House. Steve Scalise didn't want the job. Jim Jordan didn't want the job. Nobody wanted the job. So I come from a professional background in business where we work with people in order to accomplish things. And I had very serious things I want to accomplish. I want to stop funding these foreign wars. We need to defend and secure our border. There's many things I want to work on. I want to protect kids. No child should be cutting their breast off, being castrated, or doing these horrible surgeries and hormone therapies. These are things I care about. And in order to get them done in Washington, you have to work with leadership. So in good faith, that's what I did. I supported Kevin McCarthy for speaker, developed a working relationship with him, and said this is the process I have to pursue to do it. 
I got some things done. I have to say, I'm proud of it. I got an impeachment inquiry passed without a floor vote because I convinced him, announce it. This is something you can do as speaker, announce an impeachment inquiry. Nancy Pelosi did it. Why can't we do these things? And he did it. Yep. And then I got the Ukraine money taken out of the defense bill. That was a huge win. And I did that because I convinced him and convinced Congress this is not popular. Your voters, your donors do not support this war. Yes. Unless the only donors you care about are the ones that support the military industrial complex. Well, it does seem like those donors, I mean, I read a piece today um, in Business Insider, oh. I typically read, I know, um, that said that Republican donors are widely convinced that Nikki Haley, who is like the most anti-American person to run for president on the Republican side in my memory, mm -hmm. um, she's going to beat Trump. And she's the one. And and leaving aside just how almost unbelievably supernaturally horrible she is, she's trailing him by like 50 points. So, so my question to you is like, are Republican voters, donors rather, that dumb and out of touch? Or is this some sort of complex PR play? Or what is that? Is the election rigged? I mean, that's where my mind goes. Well, Why yeah. would rich, powerful people choose to donate to a losing candidate unless there's something that they know that we don't know. Well, that's a great, a great question. That I, mean, just, I had not, wondering. I had not considered. Most rich, powerful people are good with their money, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they usually invest in things that make them money or they invest in relationships that they can build on, right? And you would think if you're looking at the primary numbers and President Trump is blowing everyone out of the water, but you're also looking at this and this, the lead candidate, Trump, is being just politically persecuted by every justice system in the country. And maybe there's something that they know that we don't know. And so they're throwing all their money and support behind Nikki Haley because if she loses, they're going to have to go back to Trump. That doesn't make sense to me. This is a pretty good Rorschach test, I think, for Congress. Like, secretly, how many of your Republican colleagues like Nikki Haley do you think? Oh, there's probably, they probably love her. There's, well, Ralph Norman, he, he endorsed her. Nikki from, Haley. Yeah, from South Carolina. He's what he's on the board of the Freedom Caucus. Yep. So he's calls himself conservative, but he's for Nikki Haley. He's all for Nikki Haley. Who, Publicly. Who thinks our borders are irrelevant and should mm -hmm. remain open, but mm -hmm. the borders of foreign countries deserve our children to die. America protect. first conservative Ralph Norman is all in for Nikki Haley. So he loves war. You think it's fair to say that Nikki Haley's views represent a, a lot of Republicans in Congress? Members of Congress, probably. Oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah. But what about Republican primary voters? Absolutely not. She does not represent Republican primary voters. Not at all. Um, I want to go back to earlier question about just the low-hanging fruit and the, the easy ones. Derek Chauvin, the cop in Minneapolis who was convicted of murdering George Floyd. Now we know he didn't murder George mm -hmm. Floyd. The medical examiner said there's no evidence that George Floyd was strangled. He died of a fentanyl overdose, mm -hmm. died of a drug OD. Yep. But Derek Chauvin is in prison. He was just stabbed in prison. Spend the rest of his life probably in prison. Mm -hmm. um, that's a an atro moral atrocity mm -hmm. now that we know the truth. Why is no one in Congress stepping up for this man? Well, you know, it's very unpopular to talk about it. So Why? obviously, Tucker, I'm going to talk about well, it. Good. Yeah, I think I, I believe this is one of the biggest injustices happening in our country today. 
I believe it's an attack on him because he's white and he's male. Obviously. I believe that it's political and they have to crucify him because he was a police officer. He had a great record. He did nothing wrong. And he is white and male and Christian. So they have to make an example of him because that is the type of person in America and arguably the entire world they want to kill. They want to destroy that identity. And it's the most dangerous thing happening, and our children are suffering for it. The younger generations of white men who are good, who who would want to be in the military, who want to be a police officer when they grow up, want to be a fireman, want to be these ideal male, masculine things when they grow up, are being taught a lesson by look at what happens to Derek Chauvin. And they are probably going to kill him in jail when actually the right thing to do is to release him out of jail because he never did anything wrong in the first place. But how do you, what I don't understand is now that it's not a close call because in a court filing, we discovered that the medical examiner who did the autopsy Mm -hmm. said, the medical examiner, not a cable news pundit, this guy was not strangled. He did not die of asphyxiation. He died of a drug OD. Drug overdose. So we know the facts. Right, a fentanyl. We didn't know before. We pretended we didn't know. Like, so how can every pro-cop Republican in the Congress not stand up on this guy's behalf? Why is it controversial? Over 300 Americans die every single day from fentanyl poisoning. That's what George Floyd, he's one of those deaths. Yeah, sad. But yet, a political movement that was well-funded and supported by the entire Democrat Party, so much so that BLM's link, funding link, was on Act Blue, the Democrat Party's website, official website. It was propped up by the entire powerful media industry in America. And then every every Democrat donor all over the country donated to BLM and supported the Democrats for supporting BLM. And then they sacrificed a white male police officer. It had to be done because that's what their movement wants. That is exactly what they want. Look at what's happening today over in Sudan. There are thousands of people being slaughtered, millions of people maybe. We don't even know the numbers being slaughtered by Muslims If Black Lives Matters, why isn't that group in the entire Democrat Party raging over supporting black lives over in this foreign country? Because they love foreign war, don't they? I mean, it doesn't make sense. But yet in America, they obviously don't care at all about some other country in Africa where people are being killed because they don't care about black lives. It's not about black lives. It's not about any foreign war. It's only about certain foreign wars. And it's about certain movements that allows them to move the political needle and brainwash the masses to believe what they need them to believe. They sacrificed Derek Chauvin because he's white and he's male, and they want to kill off a whole generation of white men. They don't, they don't want them to be police officers. They don't want them to join the military. They don't want them to be strong figures in their family or husbands or fathers. Well, they, they say all that, so that's not you're not guessing. We need more diversity in our police. We need fewer white men in our police department. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So um, your assessment is not crackpot. It's taking their words and repeating them. Um, so what? Ex- so you've just, in about as blunt terms as anyone could muster, displayed your contempt for a lot of your colleagues in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I'm angry at them. Obviously, you're not going to become a Democrat because they're the mirror image of Satan. what you are. So where does that leave you, and what do you do going forward? I ran for Congress in the beginning to push the Republican Party to actually support Americans and America and do the things that they always promise and tell us to do. Going forward, that's all I care about. 
It's all I've cared about from the beginning is, oh, you want to say this on television? We'll do it. Like take, I don't care about words. Words mean nothing to me. Action is everything. And our country is on fire. We don't have a border. It's ridiculous to even say we have one. It's overrun and controlled by the cartels, mostly. The Border Patrol agents are the welcoming committee to over 160 countries all over the world. They welcome in terrorists. They welcome in criminals, mental, in, 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 mentally insane people, child trafficking, human trafficking, drugs. They are forced to welcome them in. It's not because they're bad people. They're wonderful people. The government makes them do their job that way. So think about like what we have to force Republicans in Congress actually do what they said they're going to do. So I'm not there to be friends with them. I don't care about the stupid <laughs> I, I've party. noticed. <laughs> I want them to do their job. You've been uh, swatted repeatedly. Yeah. Um, where seven times. Seven times. Mm -hmm. But they don't know who's doing it. They just don't know. No, can't figure that out. Did the security cameras break? It's kind of like Epstein. They can unmask people like Carter Page and people like that, you know, but they don't know who's, who's swatting me, who's calling in. Um, seven times. Mm -hmm. Are you worried about your safety? I just bought a lovely AR-15. Another one. Yes, I'm very proud of it. It's pretty. I hope it doesn't have a, more than a 10-round magazine, though, because you don't need that. Oh, no. Yeah, I know I've got far more than that. Um, two quick policy questions. One, will there be, like, an effort to take people's guns away in our lifetimes, do you think? Absolutely, Do you think yes. that'll be successful? Well, I look at Brazil. I just had a visit from Edward Bolsonaro and some of the members of Congress down there in Brazil, and they came to visit me because they are really afraid and they're concerned for their country. Since the Lula administration has taken over, many of them are afraid of losing their political rights and the Lula administration is going after them and trying to take away their political rights to run for office. They're going after their journalists, their press, you know, many of them are fleeing the country because they, they're going to be locked up by the Lula administration. Um, they want to take away their guns down there in Brazil. So I'm looking at that country and I'm saying, I think we're one election away from finding ourselves in the same situation in Brazil. And it's the saddest thing in the world to think that that's where we are in America. But yet so many people are asleep. And it's a tragedy because I'm angry at my own party in Washington because they're not doing enough to stop it. They're not yes. doing anything to stop it. As a matter of fact, they're passing continuing resolutions and keeping it going but I'm also looking at so many Americans because our American life is really good, Tucker. And it's easy to get lost and enjoying every day as an American. And a gosh, God bless them, rightfully so. But it's it's easy to be lulled into this world where you're not paying attention to what's about to happen to us. So I'm a little bit worried about what may be about to happen to us. Do you think us. we could wind up in a war with Iran? Yes, absolutely. I think we could easily end up in a war with Iran. What's the appetite? that among Republicans in the House, do you think? They also have a strong appetite. I don't know. The ones I hear talk about, they'd rather fight China. I hear that They're more fight than China. Iran. Yeah, This China. makes all of our antibiotics. So how long is that war going to last? I mean, they make everything. So they like, do. Obviously, we can't go to war with them because they control our country already, right? Right. Didn't we learn that? It's, you know, COVID, I have a chapter about COVID, and it's like all the lessons we learned from COVID, you would have thought that one would have stuck. Yeah. Like maybe we would bring back the manufacturing to our country and at least make life-saving medicine. No, we got to depend on China. But there are Republicans who want to go to war with China? Yes. They're preparing for it. 
We have to build our military. We have to fund it. We have to build up our military because they say this, we are going to be at war with China within five years. They say that out loud or they think that at night? They say it out loud in our meetings. We wouldn't win that war. I mean, that's insane. Obviously. Well, I think that's rational thinking and speaking, but. It's not an endorsement of China, by the nope. way. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a China oh, says, no. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Tool of Xi Jinping. Um, but they really say that, huh? Yes, they say that out loud. Do you ever hear anybody in the cloakroom? Is that the right place? Cloakroom. Cloakroom. Uh, say, you know, I really can't believe our country's being invaded by millions of people from the third world. Like, we need to kick them out immediately because America's for Americans. Does mm-hmm. anyone ever say that? They do say that. And then they don't impeach Secretary Mayorkas. Oh. Yeah. So they say it. Yes. Like, can you believe the new numbers? Like, oh, my goodness. October's numbers came out. Highest record uh, of, of any month, any October on record. You guys want to impeach Mayorkas yet? Nah, Marjorie. You're not mature enough for that. <laughs> so are you going to stay in Congress? Oh, yeah. I'm angry. How do you raise that. so much money, by the way, if you give the finger to donors? You raise a ton of money. I do, and it's because regular people donate to me. Just grassroots, small-dollar donors. That is 90% of my donations, or well over 90%. It's not Raytheon. <laughs> no, I don't have any money from Raytheon. They don't give you anything? Nope. No, I don't have any donations from the military-industrial complex. I haven't, I haven't uh, voted for their wars. Oh, so you're going to stay in the Congress. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate this book, and I love the title, MTG, and I love the silhouette. Is that actually you? Good luck. Thank you. Young here, people say the news is full of lies. Kennedy's motorcade. 239 killed the death of Jeffrey Epstein.